Welcome back to your favorite podcast, Millennial Perspectives. My name is Kyle Kekka. I'm Tony Tedisco. And we have a very, very good show for you guys today. Yeah, we so, do. Yeah, so the last two episodes we've talked about, uh, just as a recap, uh, we've talked about a lot of cool uh, tech updates that we found out about, such as uh, some Google applications. Uh, we've talked about uh, the tax bill that the GOP passed. Uh, we've talked about the government shutdown. And we've talked about a lot of like kind of cool thoughts of the day and you know, you know, the new music that we found. Right. Um, so this is our last episode in our winter edition. Yeah, it is our uh, three-part uh, special, three-episode special, and we're cranking it down here. Um, but we got some exciting things to kind of close it up. Um, and then at the end, I think I would explain just kind of how the rest of the show is going to go, you know, with you going to school and all that for the rest. Yeah. Um, so for us talking to uh, – uh, what we're going to talk about today, um, we're going to be talking about uh, the North Korea talks with South Korea. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe um, in, in the – is this our ninth total episode, I think? Our ninth total, 60, yeah. uh, something like that? Yeah. yeah. In, in all the episodes that we've done, um, our, our political kind of conversation, like the one that we usually start out with for, for the show, has really centered around issues in America. Yeah. But this time we're going to take a foreign route and go all the way to the other side of the world and talk about North and South Korea. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it involves America a little bit as well. Yeah. But we can uh, – yeah. But so I think this is a first for us. Um, and we can just talk about it. Yeah. So um, for those of you who do not know, um, the, the Winter Olympic Games are actually in about a month and a half. Uh, oh, they wow. will be taking place in uh, Pyeongchang, South Korea, in uh, late February. And I'm very excited for that. I, I always love watching the Olympics. Um, it's it's a it's a um, it's not only entertaining to watch, but it's also very symbolic of the human spirit. I think where you know people come together for you know a common cause, um, mm. you know just as a friendly competition. Um, and what I think more people would know about is that North and South Korea hate each other. Yeah. Um, so in the in the 1950s, there was a, a war uh, between North and South Korea called the Korean War. Yep. And my uh, actually my grandpa, my dad's dad, fought in that war. Really? Which, yeah. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm very proud of him for that. Awesome. Um, and the war uh, it it unofficially ended in 1953 under a ceasefire, and. The war has not actually come to an official end because both sides hate each other. The border between North and South Korea, called the DMZ, the 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 demilitarized zone, is arguably the most dangerous place in the world because tensions between North and South Korea have historically been so high, especially with all the rhetoric that the North has come out about with you know their their with their nukes and all that. So technically, the war is still it's still going, going on. but ten but practically it's I, not yeah but. not really but technically it is. Um, and what happened a couple days ago uh, was something actually very monumental. Um, because the Olympics are going to be in South Korea, people would automatically think that North would not send athletes over, you know, their best athletes over to the country. Uh, because the Winter Olympics, or I can't remember if it was the winter or summer, but some form of Olympics happened in South Korea in 1988. And the North Koreans actually not only did they boycott the the Olympics, I think they actually tried to plan a terrorist attack because really? the because the Olympics were in Seoul, South Korea. Wow. Um, this time though, uh, both sides actually came together for the first time in several months, like for anything, and they they were talking it over very diplomatically. And they and the North agreed to send their best athletes. I don't know how many, but their best athletes to South Korea for the Olympics. Um, 
And this is being hailed as a as a very uh, very big step in relations between the North and the South because you know uh, historically um, they have really not been on the best terms. But this isn't just about the Olympics. I believe this could be a window in talking about um, you know more than just you know sending you know athletes to another country, because South Korea also uh, suggested that the two Korean teams walk together during the opening ceremony of the Olympics, wow. which would be more symbolic of, you know, the country's improving relations. Yeah. Um, and the South also proposed during those meetings that um, the two countries could revive their program of temporarily, uh, re- like, reuniting the elderly people that have not seen each other's families ever since the Korean War unofficially ended in 1953. Yeah. So, um, I- I'm not sure what your stance on it is, but my stance is that even though that North Korea should still be treated as a, a country that... You know, does not treat their citizens well, and they're a very erratic country that should not be befriended automatically. I think it's the right step in the in the in the positive direction. I think it's something to be uh, heralded for sure. I definitely agree with you to a point. Um, So I do think that it's a big step in not just North Korean and South Korean history, but in American history, because the president of South Korea credits Donald Trump. I saw that. that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. everyone's been. Re- so he, uh, to quote him, he says, "I think President Trump deserves big credit for bringing about the inter-Korean talks." Uh, President Moon of South Korea talks. He said it could be resulting in, could be a resulting work of the U.S.-led sanctions and pressure and all that stuff. So, you know, you could say, even if you don't like Trump, I mean, South Korea is crediting him and all that stuff and bringing that. So, I mean, that is some good that his Trump bringing across, and not just to make it about that. We're obviously on that. Uh, but when it comes to North Korea and all that stuff, um, you know, they, they've they made certain threats to America. America's made them back. Um, do I think this is a step in the right direction? Yes, but I don't think it'll go anywhere. So I think that North Korea is so opposite of South Korea, like in everything, like government, you know, social, how they act, everything, especially like you said, how they treat their people. It's horrendous. Um, I just don't, I mean... Maybe this just is me being closed-minded and not being able to see far. I just don't think that I could ever see President Moon and Kim Jong-un coming to a, an agreement to make, let's just say, amends or whatever and, like, all that stuff. It just doesn't seem like it could be a thing, um, especially with the crisis between um, America and North Korea. Let's just be real. I just I just don't think, especially at this time, I think it possibly could be. I just think it's unlikely um, I did know that uh, South Korea's president is open to meeting with North Korea with other issues as well, but only if certain conditions are met because of how North Korea is. Um, to be, and they want to be able to resolve those nuclear standoffs. Um, and I don't know why North Korea uh, likes to do these nuclear standoffs. I don't know what their point is. Um, but for me, at least, I would still be very cautious. I, I wouldn't be surprised... Not saying they will do this, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of like a distraction, at least. Because they, uh, North Korea and America has both agreed that during the time, because they just talked, I think like last night, I think that's when this talk is going on, I yeah, think, something, like that, something yeah. like that, that they, they, they're not going to point, or they're not going to shoot off nuclear weapons or anything, that's just a thing. But North Korea said that the entire time they're talking, their nukes are going to be pointed at the United States. Which I feel is like, it's kind of like a red flag to me. In the sense of like, uh, I I think I don't know what it's going to become. I just think that it it could be a distra- distraction. Just and I'm basing this all off of how North Korea and Kim Jong Un act. Yeah, you know, as a country, and I think that 
though I think you're right. I think this is monumental. I think we should still be cautious. I think we should still keep a close eye. You're right. We shouldn't befriend them instantly. Mm-hmm. I don't think that anything will become like anything will amend until Kim Jong Un is out. To be honest, I just I think he's a very radical person. I yes. don't. Th- I think he's a a terrible person. Um, and he just I I I feel bad for the people of North Korea. Let's just put it to you that way. But I do think I do agree with that. It is a big move uh, step forward. But I don't know. Do you think this could go anywhere? I mean, with the divided how it is. Well, I mean, obviously, any any dialogue that um, that surrounds North and South Korea is is going to be controversial because yeah. you know they've technically been at war for over sixty years now and. That's not to be taken lightly. I mean, the border between North and South Korea is still arguably the most dangerous place in the world. Yeah. And it's it's not like things are going to change overnight. You know, progress progress is not an overnight thing. Progress takes time. And I think that even though we should be cautious about North Korea, because you know, obviously, they, you know, they've had all this strong rhetoric about their about their nuclear program and stuff like that, which I don't think they'll do anything. I think they just they just say the stuff they say because they want to feel like they they need to be respected themselves on the world stage. Well, but they don't. I don't feel as though they deserve it. Well, Let's just be real. That there, there, there's a difference though between wanting to feel like they deserve it and you actually so. deserving it. Oh, I, I, okay. think, I think I, a... I, I think North I agree Korea, with you on that. Yeah, I yeah. I don't agree with how North Korea treats its people. Because what's happening over there is a constant humanitarian humanitarian crisis. Oh. And, you know, it's not like North and South Korea are automatically going to be allies because of this Olympics. I mean, they're obviously still going to be, you know, on, on very different sides. But the fact of the matter is, the South Korean president, Moon Jae-in, like, like you just referenced, has always been a strong proponent of dialogue between North and South. And I don't know if there's ever been another time where a South Korean president was that willing to talk to And North I think Korea. that's remarkable. I think it's very remarkable. Yeah, so I think, so, but the problem, like I kind of stated before, I think that's awesome, but I think it's Kim Jong-un that's the problem. And I think the thing that, like, you're right, like, this is a step forward, mm-hmm. but uh, let's just say North Korea has done so much bad in the past, you know, whatever, it's history of it. And then they make this one good move. It's a good move. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't deny it. It's, a, it's, it's. I, I appreciate. It. I think it's remarkable what they're doing. It seems to be a step in the right. direction. It's a step in. It's one yeah. step in the right direction from mm-hmm. all the steps back they've taken. Mm-hmm. Until I see a consistent um, pattern of them doing the right thing, I think that we should be cautious because just because you've done one step forward doesn't mean that you're not going to take four steps back. Of course. Right. So I think we actually agree yeah. on the situation. And I think we both think that it's great. It's awesome. We should be cautious. We obviously understand that uh, North and South Korea aren't going to be friends initially. We definitely aren't going to be friends with them initially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, that the one thing that's holding North Korea back, and I think even the people probably I mean, North, of North Korea, like the more rational people want to make North Korea whole again, to be honest. I think yeah. they would both like that. Oh, yeah. I just don't think that that will happen as long as Kim Jong-un mm-hmm. is alive. Well, and... And, and uh, the leader of that country. Yeah, it's it's not... And that's true. I mean, because Kim Jong-un has, has proven to be a very radical and very, very irrational you know, person that's supposed to be leading a country. But... When you think about how old North Korea is, they're not a very old country just no. as that. I mean, Korean culture itself is very old. It's it's ancient. But North Korea has only been a country since, I believe, the 1940s. And they've only had three rulers. And the thing about 
about North Korea is that through Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, and Kim Jong-un, the actual atmosphere in North Korea, the people are expected to treat their leaders like they're gods. So it's not, it's not just Kim Jong-un being alive that's the problem. It's the fact that North Korea as a whole... Their whole thing is that they treat because the citizens call the you know call their leaders the supreme leaders, and Kim Il Sung was really the first person that they were like, oh, he's he's our god basically, he's our god on earth. So the problem with with that is that Kim Jong Un could could die right now, but another leader would be in place who would expect to be treated the same. I think you're in, right. In kind of like, in, in like, like a godlike perspective. And he said so, they, they call him supreme leaders. They right? call him the supreme, so supreme leader. Supreme leader Snoke. Oh my god. Oh my god, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, uh, so so yeah, that's where I stand. I, I I think that the actual it's it's not just the person. It's the fact that North Korea has has always done that in the in the several decades that they've been a country. It's they've treated their their rulers like they've been god, like they're gods. And I don't know to the extent how much they believe that to be true. They could just say stuff like that because they don't want to be killed. Right. But I don't know. I mean, it it, it seems right. like some people at it least seems like that. it's a culture. So it might I be, think, a, but I don't know. So yeah, I I think that it's for the whole yeah for the whole North South Korea thing, it's good that it's a step in the right direction. Proceed with caution. great caution. Yes, obviously, yes. and just see where it just see where it takes. But think, obviously, it's it's progress. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be moving on here. But I yeah. want to mention that I think this is the first time on something political that we have basically 100% agreed. I think so. Uh, yeah, or, I mean, not that it's very agree. controversial or anything because it doesn't really involve America. But it seems like we agree on that sort of situation and how North Korea is, and we should very much act with caution. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we are making a step in the right direction, yeah. finding middle ground. <laughs> All right. Uh, but anyway, we're gonna be moving on. So we're gonna move on to tech. Um, I have another Google product, uh, kind of a Google slash Android product because okay. Google owns the Android software. They own everything. Let's be honest. <laughs> YouTube, they they own everything. Mm-hmm. They're gonna become massive. Oh. I mean, they already are. Gonna... But c- could you imagine them ten ten years? Um, it's actually what's going on because uh, you know Apple Pay is this big thing, and Samsung Pay actually worked well for me when I had Samsung and Android Pay. Uh, it's just not been up to par with everything, you know. It's just not been going well. And Google had this app called Google Wallet that no one used. Like it was just completely obsolete. No one used it. So now they're going to be, I guess, fusing the two into like one like awesome app called Google Pay, huh? Right? Mm. Oh yeah, um, you were telling me about that. Yeah. So I was telling you a little bit about it, um, and I think that so it's going to be replacing. Um, uh, sorry, it's going to be replacing the Android Pay and the Google Wallet. So it's just so those two will be removed, and they will actually go into one app. So um, it's going to be allow you to make payments online or in store, just like anything else would. So there's not very much information about it. We just know that Google's like released it, mm-hmm. um, and I know that it'll be able to log everything, and you'll be able to do. I think it integrates with Google a lot better than everything else, like all the other Android platforms. Um, so I just think this is probably another step forward into like that sort of like uh, digital currency sort of way. I think Google's going to be taking over like uh, currency market as well. I mean, if they're kind of, I mean they've already attached everything. I mean they've got phones now, and that was just two years ago. They got all this stuff. They tried doing it earlier, and now I think they've learned from their mistake, and they're going to be doing Google Pay, and I think they'll perfect how. Uh, mobile payment is working. Um, there's not much information on it about how it's doing. 
Um, I do know that they will probably be using the same uh, artificial numbers so that if someone were to take like your uh, you know your card number, it would just be a digital number and it wouldn't work. Right. So it's protecting your real number. Um, but I mean, otherwise, I think this is some great advancement and. I just can't. Be- I thought it was just interesting to point out. I just can't believe all the fields Google is going into. I mean, I it was just like yesterday where Google was just a search engine, and now they own YouTube. You know, they have phones now. They have they have a phone service. Yeah. They have Wi-Fi. They have AI. Now they're getting. I think they're going to perfect the uh, how you like I said how they you pay online mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. I think it's incredible and i know like we have uh, amazon you know coming up right behind them but man google is like four steps ahead of them with everything yeah and the one thing that uh i hope that they actually come out with um is like a google like smartwatch um i'm surprised they don't even know i'm surprised that. they don't either and i think that would be something interesting to go about but i'm just so this really stuck out to me um with all this stuff i'm gonna see uh, I think they're going to try to make even buying online even better uh, for online uh, purchasing and stuff like that, make it quick and easy. And I think they'll probably integrate that with the Google Mini that I had mentioned before. Yeah. So you can just pay for things online regardless of where it's from, just like how you could pay for anything on Amazon and Alexa. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and you bring up Amazon too because what you were saying there, it reminded me of Amazon, how, how Amazon's really Ugh. overtaking the online marketplace. Google is so big in everything right now. And I, I mean... Time will tell how good that actually is. Oh, definitely. But it seems to be right now that they're doing a very good job with, with really whatever they set their mind to. I mean, they've really evolved as, as a company, and, and they really deserve it. Yeah, and I so I'm, I'm, I always love everything that's Google, so generally, so all their products are really... Very, very efficient, very sleek. Yeah, the phones, too. Yeah, we talked yeah. about those, uh-huh. so that's what I got for tech, and I think you guys should all keep an eye out. Like I said, I know I've done a lot of Google products, but they've really been hitting it hard this year. 2018 yeah. is their year i think even more so so yeah. yeah so what do you got for us kyle so i have a really cool concept that i uh, kind of stumbled upon uh while browsing a couple days ago and tony i have a question for you how would you feel about a taxi that was in the air how would you feel about that um a taxi that's in, i would be afraid i really? i think uh, a taxi in like like a plane like, well it's like, or it, like a co- like a floating like, so that's that's my next point. So I found this thing called the Volocopter. The Volocopter is a uh, is a piece of German technology that was first introduced in 2013, and it is designed to bring passengers up in the air and for them to go to the location they want to. Now, it actually was presented at a recent uh, conference in Las Vegas, and it actually did take a short flight. Uh, live on stage like just like like very very like very minimal uh altitude off the ground and, and it was it was behind a cage so like no one would have been harmed right but it looks so cool too like you know i'll actually show you a picture yeah i, I know me. no one can see it but like look it's, it's kind of like that kind of reminds me of, of like a drone kind of thing so it's like a a, a drone taxi kind of a yeah sense, yeah like. it's, it's a it's a drone taxi and i think that's so cool how does it fly it's it flies does it have, wing, does it have like propellers like a helicopter? there's well it's 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 like control like from the cockpit there, there's like a there's like a um so if you or, like a, so like i don't if you ordered like let's say it's a service that we got yeah we would pilot it ourselves no well no no there, there's there's someone in it with you well obviously. no i'm asking there's like how does it fly like what is it there's a there's a um it's toggle thing that that you kind of 
move around. And no, no, I get that. No, but like you know, like a plane, you know, they have engines and jets. Oh, well, a helicopter yeah. has propellers. Yeah. So what is it using? Well, the the thing right here, like like it's an actual like propeller kind of motion where it like spits you up into the air and you so just. So how go would like, it pick someone up? Like if you're on the street. I don't know. You're I, gonna I, hit some. You're gonna hit someone. The thing that's cool though is that it was released just fi- the, like the concept of it was just released five years ago and it's already completed manned test flights in Germany, unmanned flights over Dubai, which is one of the most uh, fast or rapidly growing country or uh, you know towns in the world, and I think that's really a cool step for the future because yeah. you know with with all the new kind of transportation services like Lyft and, and Uber, that's still on the ground. I mean, people in the 1960s thought that there'd be flying cars by now. This, I think, I is, the, is, is the closest kind of thing I to think, that, which I think is super cool. I think it's cool, and there's like... It's really there's cool. There's part of me that's like, well, you know, they always say, you know, you are more likely to get into a car crash than you are like in a plane or a of helicopter, course, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So then now my thing is, let's just say this thing becomes like the norm, right? Mm-hmm. And you have all those people up in the air. I feel like malfunctions and deaths will increase based on that you know just because of how many people are in the air like the crash rates might increase yeah you would you would probably have to which is why which is why something like this would probably be um integrated very very slowly right into 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 regular life because if you were to have all i mean for instance if you were to have like a lot of cars like so many cars be able to fly in the air you'd basically have to reteach a billion people how to how to drive again basically because then, because of like air and probably, like driving in the air yeah that probably brings up a lot of like liability issues and stuff like that oh yeah like, I, I bet insurance markets uh, oh man crazy. like you're gonna go crazy but i think that's an interesting concept yeah, maybe the if actual, they can maybe if they can execute it properly who like, knows time will tell yeah but that's, it's yeah i mean it's it's an 18 rotor aircraft um and it just it just looks so cool and like time will tell you know how well it works in mass, but I think it's a pretty cool concept. I I, I agree. I, I I think it's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we're getting closer to the future as we go. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna move on to our music segment. Um. And I'm gonna go if you don't mind, Kyle. No. No. Um. So I'm kind of going back to Dio because I've been really a big fan of him, but it's not because Dio's been a part of many projects. He's been a part of a band called Rainbow. He's been a band called Black Sabbath, like we mentioned. He's been a part of his own like Dio and they just named a band but this has nothing to do with that um, it actually comes to a part of a project of a band that has one album called Heaven and Hell and you told me about this yes I did and this uh, album is called The Devil You Know and I thought that was great and the artwork is awesome and it's basically Black Sabbath just with a different drummer so you have Iomi on guitar and Geezer Butler on uh, bass and Dio on vocals I don't remember who the uh, drummer is but he's pretty good as well I think his name was Vinny um, I don't remember his last name. Um, this was actually Dio's last studio performance, like in the studio. I was telling you about this earlier, um, and it puts a very like if you like Sabbath, but you also like Dio, this puts it in like a very dark, like very very dark album. And um, they have a lot of poetic like titles of the songs and how it goes, and like like I said, how Dio is. And I think this is something that's unlike Dio's other projects. It's unlike Black Sabbath. It's similar, but it's a little bit different. It's a little bit darker, even though Black Sabbath is dark. So I would really suggest that people listen to that. And like my favorite song that made me like go wow, like they still have it even at that old of an age. Like Iomi still has it. Um, Fear is a uh, a great one. 
um, that I really love. It's got this killer riff. It's a really simple song, but it's just so powerful in how it moves you. Um, and I think that one's a really good one uh, that you guys should listen to. Uh, I think the next one that I really like about it is called the Bible. It's called Bible Black, and that how I was discussing the last episode. Oh, yeah. um, Bible Black is about a gentleman who reads a book that, and he's saying like, he, well, this man knows he's never read this leather bound book, and it's. he's like the bible black which is like the devil kind of bible in sort of some sense and Dio's like saying like how we mentioned like the way away to stay away from that and he's like hey stay away from the bible black you want to be away from that evil you want to get away from that and it tells about that story about how this guy like once he's opened it that like he's drawn to it and he just wants it he's kind of like that uh, Lord of the Rings character Gollum or whatever oh yeah he's like so attached to it and he keeps wanting to get to the bible so I thought that was really good uh, imagery Um, so those are my top two on that they have some other songs like Atom and Evil kind of like Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah. um, they that's, have that's double the pain. You know, just talking about how like you can really cause more pain for yourself, and you really shouldn't do that. I think the poetic uh, uh, imagery within the lyrics and even the music. You know, there are going to be riffs that are better in his previous work, but I think this is probably the best way he could have gone out because sadly he died uh, the a year later after this album was released and he couldn't move forward with the project. But if you want something that's familiar, but yet a little fresh, I would definitely check out the band heaven and hell. It's called the devil, you know, um, it's kind of hard to find on Spotify. I was able to find it cause they pop up with other things, but it is there on Spotify. And I would definitely check that out if you want something fresh, but also familiar at the same time. All right. All right. Perfect. Now. Um, so that was the metal uh, new music, which you know, I, honestly, Tony showed me some new metal songs uh, while we've you know been driving the last couple of days. I'm I've been very impressed. So uh, so so definitely listen to some of these songs because yeah, yeah, they they're they're good. Yeah, you've been listening to a lot of it. And it's yeah, been good. Yeah, yeah, so it's been decent. Um, so my my music is obviously you know different than Tony's. My tastes. I I'm a huge hip hop fan. So I'm gonna spew that on you guys right now. Um. The, the album that I want to talk about first is uh, Revival by Eminem. Now, now this album was dropped uh, in, in December, and I'm not sure how many of you have actually listened to it, but I've listened to the album full through, and I've, I've really um, you know, kind of picked out my favorite songs from it, and I think this album is really good. I, I, it, it's gotten some flack because it, you know people say, oh, it doesn't really sound like typical Eminem. I disagree with that. I think Eminem is, is stronger than ever in this album. Um, it's this album incorporates a lot of uh, social social justice issues in it that I think are, are really um, are just really kind of important to, to bring up. Um, there's a, a certain song um, I oh it's called Like Home featuring Alicia Keys that goes very very political, which I think is a very um, and it sends very good messages about you know black versus white and stuff like that. Um, so that's a song to look forward to. Uh, Remind me is a great song. Uh, River and Believe are probably my favorite uh, songs off, off the album because they're just so good, especially River because it has Ed Sheeran in it. And I just, I love Ed Sheeran. I think he's Same. great. I love Ed Sheeran Yeah, too. I mean, any anyone that incorporates Ed Sheeran into an album mm-hmm. is, is going to be number one in my heart for a little bit. So, um, you know, so, so definitely give that album a listen to if you have not already. Um, also... There is this album um, that was released by, uh, or no, the actual album is called Quality Control, and uh, Quality Control is more of a Quavo uh, project kind of thing, and Quavo is a member of Migos. He's probably the most famous artist off of Migos. Um, 
and quality control was released I believe in November but it didn't really get a whole lot of of uh, press for some reason but uh, my friend Matt Baitler uh, showed it to me and you know I, I want to give a shout out to him he, you know he's he's, uh, he's he's doing pretty well at Vincennes right now so good for you boy um, <laughs> but uh, you know there's some songs off this album um, that are really really good including the song Mediterranean by uh, Cuevo, no, uh, Offset, actually, and Travis Scott, and it goes really, really hard. Um, also, uh, Sides with Cuevo and Little Baby is good, and also South Africa with Cuevo. Um, all these songs go really hard. Uh, I mean, really anything, I mean, like I said a couple episodes ago, anything Migos touches will turn to gold at, at some point. Yeah. Um, and, I, and these are songs that are definitely worth a listen, and you guys need to check them out. Yeah. So, oh, and also, one last thing. Um, I was actually I was cleaning my room this morning and I was Ew. listening to The Who. Now, <laughs> The Who is not a rap group. It's actually the exact opposite. Uh, the Who was a British band uh, that really prospered in the late 60s, early 70s. And I usually talk about rap songs, but I want to give them a shout out for a second because The Who is great. The <laughs> Who's got so many good songs. I've been a, a fan of them ever since I was a kid because my dad's a big Who fan. The Who? Wait, Who? The Who. The Stop, shut up. <laughs> um, Baba O'Reilly is a great song by them. Won't Get Fooled Again, uh, Pinball Wizard, just great, great songs. Definitely give them a listen to if you don't feel like listening to metal or rap for some reason. Uh, they're they're great songs, and uh, they're they're definitely worth listening to because they're timeless classics. Oh, I so. love The Who as well. I, that's definitely kind of closer to my genre. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to be going into the next section. Ooh, I cannot wait for this. Uh, <laughs> the last and final thought of the day for the winter edition special that we got here and the thought of the day we got is ai in 2018 and i know me and kyle we've i've kind of talked about it with the google mini we kind of discussed it slightly here um but we're going to kind of go into it and kind of talk about like what the future holds with it mm-hmm. um how we think it's going to advance is a good thing bad thing and everything in between uh, so kyle what do you think uh so like what do you think AI is going to become because i mean we already have it in our phones um i mean if you look at google you know that swipe page to your left on your phone mm-hmm. i mean it learns about you and i was thinking I'm like man that's a little freaky it's like asking me what my favorite color is and i'm like yeah man i might as well date my phone and knows me better <laughs> than anyone else um so what do you think like do you think this is good for us well you know first be i mean because because ai obviously stands for um artificial intelligence and I think people misunderstand what artificial intelligence actually is. So I'm a- I actually pulled up the Google definition. Um, it's the theory and development of, com- of uh, computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, uh, decision-making, and translation between languages. We've, we've had artificial intelligence at our fingertips for years now. Yeah. We-, we just really don't notice it. I mean, because, you know... Google Translate, for instance, and, and you know, and kind of programs like that. Siri, yeah, Google Siri. Assistant, yeah, exactly. I mean, Alexa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, continue. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> I and it's such a it's such a, a thorny kind of concept because when when people think of artificial intelligence, um, you know, mainly we think, oh, you know, that's cool. You know, that robot is awesome. Um, you know, you know, tech is going to explode in the future, stuff like that. I think those are, are certainly warranted, but we also have to remember that. Artificial intelligence is something that should not be um, taken lightly. I think that um, you know there, there have been a lot of world geniuses like Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking that have oh. that have that have warned against AI and and the dangers that it potentially uh, poses uh, for several years now uh, because you know people think the AI um, you know you know once it gets to a certain level can actually surpass 
human intelligence. And I actually, I was researching it. There is this theory called the technological singularity, which I think is super cool. And it's the hypothesis that the rapid growth of artificial intelligence will at one point surpass the capabilities of human intelligence. Oh, I definitely and, think it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and, the, and the, the most common year that it's, it's pegged to actually pass human brain power is not that far away. It's, How two, far? it's 2040. So 22 years from now, when we're in our middle, when we're, when we're in about our 30s, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, 40s even, uh, 40s, it's, it's going, it, it might surpass human intelligence. Now, this theory was created in the 1950s. Um, but, I think it's right. I think but it's it, it could correct. be. I mean, we, we honestly really shouldn't be worried about like artificial intelligence, like robots taking over like the world, the Terminator though. Terminator. That's, that's like more that. science fiction. I, I think that's more of like a I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. The, the main thing that we should be worrying about with artificial intelligence, though, is that it can potentially take jobs away. In the, in, in the future. Now, yeah. I brought up this this article from a website called uh, Tech Republic. Okay. And there was a survey that the author referenced by uh, Carl Benedict Frey and Michael A. Osborne, who are uh, experts in the tech industry. And they quoted in their, in, in their, uh, in their study that, um, according to our estimate, 47% of total U.S. employment is in the high-risk category, meaning that associated occupations are potentially automated Automatable. Yeah, which means that basically, uh, like a robot. Will yeah, do. which basically a robot can do it better than a human. Yeah, I mean, and, but but hold on, sorry, and 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 just one last thing before you get to it. I think that artificial intelligence. I think it's it's only going to grow. Yeah. It's it's going it's super cool already, and it's it's going to be making advancements. We shouldn't be worrying about it like you know enslaving humanity. I think that's kind of kind of far fetched right now. Yeah. The thing that bothers me about the advancements in AI though is basically something like this, where it could where AI could take away jobs from Americans and, and and on the worldwide stage too that would only increase income inequality in this country because that would mean that you could have robots doing 10 times the amount of work that humans could do in, in one capacity and that could mean hella profits for your business but that also means that the rich are only going to get richer and the poor and the middle class are only going to get poorer and just Stagnant. So I think that that's something to really be worried about for the future, even with all the cool advancements the AI could be. Making. I think, I think that's, that's a that's a a, uh, a position. I guess with AI, I want it to surpass humans because eventually AI will be able to do and figure out things that humans won't be able to do. So if by twenty forty, for God knows, I I really hope we figure this out. For God knows for what reason we can't figure out the cure for cancer, but the eventually with the advancements of AI, it's like. You know, guys, we could do this, and it could figure out how yeah. to do the medical advancements and stuff like that. We can use it for all sorts of things. So I think the fact that AI is going to become so powerful that because like it won't have these emotions, it won't have these things. It can only learn and grow and grow and just do that and do its job and like has nothing stopping it. It it will have unlimited stuff. It'll be able to correlate things. I've watched uh, videos of it happen, and now. When it comes to the jobs, I think you're right. I think that it will take some jobs away. Like, I think we're already seeing it with drivable cars. I mm-hmm. think taxis will go out. Uh, but I think they will also um, pros- po- uh, possibly. Hmm. Uh, possi- that's a word. Possibly, probable, and um, possibly. Um, probably, there will probably be new jobs created to help regulate those as well. So I'm not so worried about those as well. I think new jobs will be created as AI is in advance. I mean, obviously I don't know. And I do think that it's possibly possible. 
uh, possibly a struggle uh, for that. And I think it's definitely a concern that we should have. Um, but we also have to realize that with these advancements in businesses, and you're saying the rich are getting richer, and I know we kind of talked about that before, mm-hmm. but the rich are the ones who employ the ones before. And then if these are out, then they're saving money, which is a problem too. So it's really, I, I, I think I agree with you to a certain sense, um, but I think that there will be some sort of balance because there's always there's all there will always be something that will fight it and there's those machines will break down you know you'll need this you need people doing this stuff like that um maybe like if you're in a drivable car and you need assistance you can have someone like on a mic there to help you or someone who can drive the car if you knock out for some reason like if they if something malfunctions you know so you're not liable for that car um i don't know um but i do think that's something that we should look out about i do think you have a you know, a serious concern. I think uh, I, it's a concern to me. I, but I don't. I just like to think on the side of everything will kind of be okay. But obviously, I can't always think that way. And I think it's a valid concern that you have that these jobs will be taken away. Um, but that's really what I got on it. I just, yeah. I hope it advances in the best way it can be. But that's what we always want, right? Well, yeah, and and I, I, I guess, I mean, that's those are good points too. I, I guess my last thing is that, um, you know. We should. We've never seen anything quite like artificial intelligence. You know, in, in in the in the thousands and thousands of years that humans have been on this planet, we've we've been the most dominant. Yeah. Where we are, we have the most we we have the most complicated and complex mental capabilities of of, of any living being on this planet. Yeah. And to to me, you know, see, you know, with the potential that another thing could surpass us in intelligence, it's kind of scary, mm-hmm. because you know. Obviously, I mean, we'd have to we'd have to really mess up somewhere in order for artificial intelligence, you know, to you know do something scientific, you know, fiction related, like you know, enslaving humans or anything like that. That's that might be overkill. But I think that as as artificial intelligence gets smarter and smarter, you know, there there's there's this case to be made that you know do do we really want to be second class, you know, on our own planet for something that's not really even living? I mean, because AI is not is not a living breathing thing we are we have human emotions we have feelings we can we can just kind of see past just you know you know zeros and ones you know not like ai can yeah you know and 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 that brings me to another point i don't think ai for as for as much as it will increase i don't think it'll ever get to humanity in terms of the human spirit because we can you know we have the capability of loving and hating and you know and inciting emotion better than any animal yeah. or, or living being on this planet can. I think I think you're right. Um, so it's it's just kind of scary knowing that we could become, you know, second class one day. I think so. Um, I, don't know I mean, planet. there's also that argument that is AI conscious, but uh, I don't know if it... I think it, it should be eventually, or it might be eventually, but uh, that's really what we got. Um, but that's the end of our last segment here. Um, it's kind of gone a little long. We're so glad that we've been back. Uh, I do want to take a brief moment just to kind of explain how we're going to be, or our thought process, me and Kyle's, uh, or Kyle and I's thought process of moving forward with the show since we do have that gap with school. Um, I do know that we plan to do a spring special, which will be a one-episode special. Yeah. Um, I do know that me and Kyle, we want to do a live stream of the podcast actually at ISU where Kyle goes to school. So if you guys are there or whatever, I know Kyle has friends out there and his girlfriend's out there and stuff, but we're going to be doing that. We're going to be looking for guests. We're always looking for guests because we've never had one. True. 
um, whether it be a political guest, musical guest, or whatever, or the whole thing, really. Um, but with that going on, um, we're also going to go back when summer hits. We're going to do our normal show how we used to. Um, and then instead of having you guys do that long break like we did right before winter, we're going to have a fall special as well and probably a Thanksgiving one just so you guys are getting a little bit more dose of millennial perspectives <laughs> so that you're not going through that whole hiatus because we were really busy this last year. Uh, but with that said, we're going to be working on that. Otherwise, I'm Tony Tedisco. I'm Kyle Tecca. And this is Millennial Perspectives. Bye.